Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Jacek Kalita and you are listening to Sorry Partner. Hello and welcome to Sorry Partner, a podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with Polish-Swiss champion Jacek Kalita about partnership compatibility, keeping his concentration and staying match fit. Plus, he shares his top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Jocelyn, I'm really well. How are you? I'm doing great. And I have a lovely story to tell you about bridge, something that happened last night at the table. My partner and I were playing in a teams game, and we were playing against Kevin Rosenberg, oh, the world champion. And my partner was in a two-spade contract and figured she was going down because she was missing the two high trumps. So she conceded or he claimed, I can't remember which one, not controversial. We marked it. We went on to the next round. And then partways through the next round, Kevin comes back to tell my partner, actually, she can't help but make it because their trumps are going to crash. And there's really nothing that they can do to stop her from making the contract, even though it seemed like they had to set her one. And I was just very impressed that he was still thinking about it, that he was running the scenarios and the the patterns in his mind and realizing, and he was confident that she was going to make it and that the claim or the concession was just not correct. Anyway, I thought that was really lovely. Obviously, it was a club game. It's no great, you know, no great stakes. But Kevin's a 
a real stand-up guy. And he's modeling this kind of behavior with the young players that he is mentoring and playing with all the time. And I can't say enough good things about what he's doing. Yeah, that's so impressive. And like you said, not only because it happened somewhat in real time at the club, but because of the role model that he is being for these juniors, not only in the game, but in an ethical way to play the game. Yes. And I was very impressed. And now it's time for Club Quell. Club in the spotlight. Hi, this is Ellen from Philadelphia in the United States. And my bridge club is King of Prussia Bridge Club in the city of King of Prussia. King of Prussia is home to the third largest mall in the United States. Every store and restaurant imaginable are at your fingertips before or after playing bridge. We are a nonprofit club run completely by volunteers, including our club manager, Mark, who is an expert at making the club welcoming to everyone. We have local artists who, with the loan of their paintings, make our walls look beautiful. One thing I'd like to share about King of Prussia Bridge Club is that we pride ourselves on being extremely welcoming to new and seasoned players alike. Wednesday, we have a barometer game, an idea we gleaned from Kathy Osborne from Intempo Bridge Club in Scottsdale, Arizona. We call this session Points and Pointers, run by one of our educators, Rex. It's a sanctioned ACBL game, zero to 20 points. After each board, Rex reviews the bidding and play and responds to questions and comments from the players. We are very proud that we hold two sessions of supervised play a week and always have at least three mentor volunteers at hand to guide these players to becoming increasingly proficient. From supervised play and points and pointers, some of these new players have moved into our limited and open games. King of Prussia Bridge Club has open games four days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Wednesday and Saturday are limited games. Every other Monday, we offer special games. Some of these games include pro-ams, handicapped Swiss teams, and parties with chicken salad, which is extremely popular. The best thing about King of Prussia Bridge Club is that we're a family. Visitors are always welcome. We encourage anyone visiting our area to email or call us. And come out and play. So come on down. Email us if you'd like to quell about your club. Club, club in, in the, the spotlight. spotlight. I'm quelling. So three letters today, Jocelyn. Yay. Slightly unusual because the first two are from the same person. Our friend Alan in Texas. Well, thank you, Alan. Yes. And they're on the same theme, which is those darn robots. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we know them. Yes. So letter number one. In a recent robot game on BBO, I was dealt a nice balanced 16-point hand in third seat. My robot partner opened one no trump. I happily bid four no trump, which my partner promptly raised to six no trump. Out comes the heart five as opening lead. Down comes partner's hand for me to play. A flat 15-pointer that should have been passed at Borno Trump. After a brief pause for screaming and uttering many bad words about idiot robots, I was able to escape with down one. Looking at the other tables, only two other pairs were saddled with robot partners that misbid to six no Trump. 
The others, except for two pairs, were in Forno Trump and took 11 tricks. The two exception pairs won 12 tricks on a spade lead from East's six-card spade suit to the Queen 10. A defensible lead against four no Trump, but certainly not six no Trump. Don't you think BBO should post a warning that playing with robots can be damaging to your mental health? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do, Alan. Yes, I do. (laughs) But then I think he's felt guilty. Because he's written another one saying, dang, actually, I may need to say something nice about those robots. <laughs> <laughs> On the last board of a recent BBO robot game, my partner and I engaged in a spirited auction, including Gasp, an elegant new minor forcing sequence that led us into a six spade contract. Alas, we had a somewhat mirrored shape and we were a tad thin on high card strength. So, in the end, the contract hinged on a finesse for the king of clubs. Since my finesses in robot games almost never work, especially when making a contract depends on it, I was flabbergasted when this finesse did work. I fully expected confetti to burst out and a brass band to emerge from my computer screen. I am still stunned and amazed. Alan. (laughs) Oh. Well, maybe you could have had one of those. You know, you can get that the, that confetti effect on your screen where it all rains right. down. <laughs> that's cute. That would be really cute. BBO. Yeah, that's a good idea. And the confetti feature. Yeah. For when your finesses actually work. <laughs> Our last letter today, Jocelyn, is also on the theme of robots from Bill, who sends us two limericks. I will tell you what really rots are off-sided honours and well-placed spots and inconvenient voids from those nasty androids. I do detest those BBO bots. (laughs) And then his next limerick, the robots are pains in the asses. They play low cards and no time passes. But try and finesse. And as you might guess, the king comes slow as molasses. (laughs) So true. So true. (laughs) That's brilliant. Thank you, Bill and Alan. So if you have any good stories about impressive displays of ethics or about those darn robots or perhaps something nice to say about a robot please do send them to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com as always you can find our contact information on our website sorrypartner.com along with some other good stuff and of course limericks are always welcome coming up next our interview with Jacek Kalita Polish-Swiss champion Jacek Kalita comes from a bridge-playing family, but his passion for bridge didn't kick in until high school, where the game was so popular, students regularly played hands in between classes. He is a world grandmaster, having won three Bermuda Bowls and too many other tournaments to list. When he's not playing bridge, he might be playing table tennis. As a child, he was on the national team in his age category. Or he could be hanging out with his wife and three-year-old son. We began by asking if he'd had any interesting hands lately. 
recently I started playing with the with the new partner, Michael Kukowski. And by many he's considered, you know, one of the most talented players in the world. So uh, I have to say uh, there was one hand that impressed me a lot during Bermuda Bowl. We were playing Belgium and the trump suit was important. The trump suit was ace-king-9 and 1 in the dummy, opposite queen-10-8-4 uh, in Michael's hand. And the Belgians led a suit that tapped the dummy. There was Steve in the dummy and they played ace and another, and Michael had to rough. So there was ace-king-9 left, opposite queen-10-4. He played the ace to, to check like, you know, what's going on in the suit. And then in the second round, he, he crossed to his hand and played uh, low to the nine. And it was successful. He finessed Jack Ford in, in opponent's hand. I have to say that that was pretty impressive. And also the tempo he made this play was, I mean, it took him like maybe 10 seconds, everything. So so you could imagine I was I was impressed. The Jack was not singleton. Or not double time. No, no, no. That was Jack Ford. It was the, the only way to make the contract. And then, I mean, there was there was a logic behind his play. He said the reason they tapped the dummy was that it's likely to protect the Trump trick in the left-hand opponent. And otherwise, they, they would try some other defense. And uh, so it was not just random play. That There was like a deep reasoning behind it. And yeah, there were many, maybe not as, as spectacular as this one, but there were many hands. He really impressed me. But I like that because you're you're often taught that it's good for Declare if they get to Trump in the dummy. So it makes sense. There must have been a reason if they're allowing roughs in the dummy, why they would be pursuing that line. So I like that thinking that he went through and it does make sense. I wish I could think like that at the table. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the 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 first thing you need to to make such play is, is a lot of courage because what would you tell to your teammates if this play wouldn't be successful? Like how did you manage to go down uh in a cold slam? But I think one of his strongest side parts of the game of his game is that, you know, he's not afraid of anything. So so you know do whatever he feels like. So how long have you been playing with Michael? Pretty much Bermuda Ball was the, the first big tournament we played together in. We played also the European Open teams in Strasbourg, but, you know, that was not, not the same scale of event. So that was like the first real challenge for us. So partnerships are often complicated was one of the reasons that you approached Michael as a new partner because of his courage? Uh, well, actually, it was not really our decision. I mean, we've been friends forever, but I had quite a successful partnership with my previous partner, Michael Novosatsky. We joined the, the team of Switzerland a couple of years ago. We We had to find a partner for Pierre Zimmerman. And yeah, we decided as a team that the best partnership would be that Pierre would play with Michael Novosadsky and I start a partnership with Michael Kukowski. What were the reasons that it was determined for the Swiss team that the partnerships made the most sense 
for you to be with Michael Kukowski and Pierre to be with the other Michael? Well, I think the reason behind it was that Mr. Novosadsky is, you know, the least temperamental. He's very calm. He never loses his temper. So I think that was the main reason the team decided that they will be a good match. And I think both Michaels had a kind of similar style of playing. They are normally very aggressive, very active at the table. I'm more calm, more stable, I would say. So also the reason that they will think I'll be good match for Michael Klukowski. And, you know, so far it turned out okay. So also we play quite often, you know, just for fun. We were hoping for the best when we started playing together. I'm interested to explore more about what you were saying about Michael Klukowski and his courage at the table. And I'm wondering how important is it to you that you admire your partner, not just respect your partner as a player, but is it important to you to admire your partner? Since a long, long time, I've always played with the world-class players that I could learn a lot from. There is some part of admiring your partner and like all of them were giving me reasons to to admire them so so what reasons might a partner of yours have for admiring you i don't know i mean better ask them but i think what kluki is saying he likes about me that i never give up i i always fight till the end i don't lose concentration very often I try to keep ball in play and, you know, let him score. I think we are we are a good match. Is holding concentration something that you have worked very hard on or is it something that you think comes rather naturally to you? It's a tough question. I think it comes from an experience for sure. The fact that makes you lose your uh, concentration mostly are nerves. So when you're nervous, it's much harder to keep focus. Of course, when when I started to play internationally and I started to play, you know, against world-class opponents, I I was a bit nervous at first, with, with some time passed and with like every board I played against them, I started to be more and more calm and uh, just took it, you know, as normal thing. For sure, this helps a lot. And I think the other other thing is just like a stamina and also keeping the, the good physical condition. I mean, these are the main factors that, that help. On your bridge winner's profile, it mentions an interest in table tennis. Is this one of the main ways you keep in physical condition? Well, not really. I don't play that often anymore. I mean, I play from time to time, but... Uh, the problem is that now we mostly play during weekends because we take part in, in several national leagues and then the bridge league are also played during the weekend. So I miss a lot of my table tennis matches. But I think table tennis made me play bridge a little bit because uh, when I was young, I was quite serious with the table tennis. I spent most of the time of, of, on the tournaments. And then when I actually not really discovered because I played from, from my very young age. But then I started to 
play bridge and then start to be successful. But I think I've always missed the competition on a high level. And, you know, through table tennis, I started to play bridge professionally. So you've always been a very competitive person. I would say so, yes. And then how did the table tennis lead to the bridge? Not maybe directly, but at some point, my, let's say, table tennis career started to slow down. I didn't play as well as I used to. And then I started to play more bridge. You were already a bridge player, but you made, you started playing more competitive bridge when you had more time. Yes, exactly. I start, I've learned how to play at the age of six because I'm I'm from a bridge family, so my, my whole family is playing bridge. So, But at the beginning, it was just, you know, for fun, social game. So did you resist playing it competitively at first? Well, I I was playing in, in a league with my father. Like, I played some competitive bridge, but, you know, I had I had just different things to do, like like table tennis was in the first place and, and bridge was more like a hobby. Then when I had more time and then I started to be more successful in bridge, I think, you know, I was missing the competition. I was mi- missing this thrill. So that was the reason I, I continued. So the reason you continued, though, was a little bit aligned with your sense of having some success at the game. Yeah, this could be true. Sure. Did you know that you were good at it? Could you feel it? Well, you know, Poland used to have and still have uh, very good programs for young players. Our union is supporting us quite a lot. We were able to go to, to tournaments. We got some, some pounds to go to tournaments. And we've been quite successful when, when playing in the juniors. We had a very good team. And then some, some of my junior teammates are playing professionally and then our world champions are very successful. So, so, you know, we had very, very strong team at that time, which helped a lot also because I could learn from them. And, you know, I'm not sure if I, if I was very talented, but I caught up to their level and uh, started to play with good partners. When I was starting playing with someone, the, the guys, I don't know, were considered much better players than me for sure. And probably that was true, so so I could learn from them and try to equal the level in the partnership. Do you have any particularly fun or favorite memories from those days? Well, I'm not sure if all of them uh, can be revealed, because it could be <laughs> embarrassing for uh, a lot of people. Uh, what can I say? You know, we were young. Uh, yeah. We also had a lot of fun when going to the tournaments, so... Well, without naming names, is there a particular, one particular memory that stands out? Well, I can uh, tell you a story from uh, 2008 Youth Championship that took part in the Olympic Village in Beijing. We were, we were uh, staying in a quite a nice apartment. Everybody had his own room and a big living room to party with, mostly. Yeah, things were, there was round robin uh, at the beginning and that playoff at the end. And yeah, things were going well for us. And next to us, uh, there was a team from Iceland that was struggling to qualify to the top eight. Each day they uh, they were giving us visits and uh, 
trying to calm us down because, you know, they wanted to sleep. But when they were coming, we were trying to convince them that's the proper way to to train and to prepare for the game. And that's, <laughs> that's the reason we are so, so successful. Uh-huh. <laughs> then, after a while, Iceland went bankrupt at that time during the tournament. Their plane tickets were cancelled. Few guys lost their jobs directly because the companies were closed down. And uh, then you can imagine they uh, they joined our winning strategy <laughs> and they they become regulars in in our oh. apartment. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can you tell us more about those youth bridge programs? I think in the first place, I can say that the bridge used to be very popular in Poland. In general, we had, I think, a lot of bridge players per capita. I went to to a high school when bridge was, you know, like a religion. You couldn't go there if you if you didn't play bridge, basically. Like we played bridge during breaks. We played bridge before the classes. We played bridge after classes. And uh, it was extremely, extremely popular. We had some organized bridge classes which was not a part of like extra curriculum, not a part of school, but after the cool time, we, we get some money to go to a tournament. We had older, already graduated students that were running these classes for us and they were already experienced players. I think, yeah, that's how it worked. Now I know that there are several classes in Poland when, where Bridge is a regular school subject and you get grades and then it's like a part of curriculum. I'm not sure it's a good idea because, you know, I think it should be fun, but works apparently. Like recently I visited a bridge camp that that are run by my friend and there were like 60 children playing bridge, you know, for like 10 hours a day. And basically they they never, they, they didn't want to stop unless we, we told them to and, like, took the cards away. So that was really, really <laughs> something very, very nice. 
it was embedded in your culture to a significant degree, it sounds like. Kind of. You know, like Poland has been always very successful in bridge and we had a lot of talented players. So, yeah, I don't know if, you know, if there are any other card games that are that popular, but I think that it, it helps also that in Poland, bridge is considered a sport and then like the championships are founded by like Minister of Sport. Young people doesn't have to pay for it, which is very important. So you have a toddler at home. Mm-hmm. When he's old enough, are you happy to teach him bridge? Sure, why not? As I mentioned before, you know, our whole family is playing bridge, so I'm sure his grandpa would be very happy to play with him. So far, it looks like he's he's interested in it because many times when I practice, he, he joins me and, uh, you know, looking at it and already know the name of, of suits and the cards. So, I mean, I don't think I will especially encourage him, but for sure I'll not discourage him also. I'm, we'll see. Do you think one has to have a particular temperament to be a good bridge player? Not really. I think a different set of skills is needed to be a good bridge player because I know a lot of class players who are, you know, like the, the whole variety of temperament from being very, very active, nervous, whatever, to, to, to ones that are very, very calm and never lose their temper. And uh, so. What are the set of skills that you would say are intrinsic to being a good bridge player? Pretty basic knowledge of maths and uh, probabilities and, and stuff like this. But, you know, for sure, being too smart doesn't help because I also know a lot of really, really smart people who, who are not so good at bridge. Phew! <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. I think you need some psychological skills. You need to be able to to read people, to acknowledge their behaviors that tells you something about their card. Maintaining your concentration for a long, long time is particularly important because at the top level, pretty much everyone know the basics. They know how to execute a squeeze. They know how to beat. And I think the biggest number of imps we could win is, is that somebody makes a mistake, this is, you know, far below his level, his abilities, because he's losing his concentration. Yeah, and I'm sure our listeners are always interested in finding out how people can develop those skills, especially concentration, which seems to be so important. Are there any of those skills that you find yourself working especially hard to develop or putting more emphasis on or your focus on? To be honest, it's hard to say I'm working on, you know, particular part of breed. I think the the like biggest part of improving my game is just playing and it's been always the best training for me. Especially, you know, playing against good opponents because if you're playing against good opponents you have to be focused all the time because they are dangerous and they can uh, make something special at any times so you really need to be there and be careful but i think fortunately for a while already i'm usually i'm playing against really really good opponents 
and that helps you know a lot too. Do you just naturally have the ability to concentrate intensely? Yes, I would think so. It got better throughout years. As I said before, the main reason I could lose my concentration was because I got nervous. Even when I was playing like some board games with, with my friend, I, I could, you know, stay there as long as I find out like what's the best strategy and uh, I didn't want to stop, you know, before I win. So, Do you ever feel yourself losing concentration? Sometimes, yes. I think the the worst part of my game is that I'm losing concentration after a bad board, that I'm still thinking about what happened before and why I made a mistake, and then that's what makes me lose concentration and usually, you know, causing another mistake. Are there any things in particular that make you nervous? I'm trying to work on it. I think I improved a lot. For sure, when, when, when I started to play against, against the, the top opponent, it was tough. You know, when I think it's like this for everybody, when, when uh, he's sitting against Maxwell or against the Italian masters, you know, you, you are nervous. It's, it's quite natural. Then after you're playing them for hundred time or, you know, your teammates on, on many occasions and your friends, it just get easier and easier and at some point you just treat them as, as everyone else which help you to play better maybe they're looking at you and feeling nervous i don't know i wouldn't say so i don't think we are particularly scary but <laughs> you know you would have to ask our opponent you said though that you've been working on it in what ways i mean i didn't work with an specialist, if that was the question, I was just, you know, trying to explain myself that, you know, they are just human beings, they make mistakes. What I think helped most, it was just playing against them on, on, on many, many occasions. Like every, every hand you played against them makes you more relaxed. And, uh, so you're not imagining them there with no clothes on or something? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you know they say that about if you are addressing a crowd and you're nervous mm. imagine everybody sitting there naked that you're not doing that at the table this technique I didn't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I would, I would go for it <laughs> no are there any books that have really been important to your development as a bridge player or that you like to recommend Yes, I mean, I like most of the bridge books. I think I read uh, most of them. I also like to read bridge magazines and, and like everything that is connected to, to the game. I think the most recent that I really like are Christoph Martin's book. He's a coach of, of, the, of the Swiss team and also very popular author. I don't know how popular he is in the States, but I mean, I know there's, there are English versions of his books also in Poland that are popular. And also, we are friends, so I had easy access to, the, to these books. And uh, <laughs> I have to say I like them a lot because they are dedicated for high-level player, which is not very common. There, there are not that many books. Understandably, because, you know, you like to 
sell them to a lot of people, not not only to, to professionals, but of course, everybody could read them and then and, and try to improve, but they are okay level for world-class players also. Do you have a favorite tournament that you really like to play? Obviously, the World Championships, etc. but maybe is there a place that you love to visit that has a tournament or some other tournament for another reason? I wouldn't say World Championships are my favorite tournament because, you know, it's one of the toughest. Two weeks of, of high-level bridge is very, very exhausting. Recently, bridge is mostly a job for me, so I'm really missing playing just a social game with a lot of fun, partying, and, and, and stuff like this. What was the last social bridge game that you played? Uh, I think, you know, a family game. When my grandpa was alive, when we were visiting her, we played with her. She died last year, so... Oh, sorry. No. Uh, no she was 94 already, so it was her time. If you were just able to invite a couple of people around tomorrow for a, a relaxed, fun game, who would you invite? Would it just be friends who happen to play a bit of bridge, or would it be champions who you're friends with but just to have some fun with some cards around the kitchen table that's a tough question i think if i have a chance you know just to make anything i could i would invite everyone like old friends that haven't played bridge in a while already and also you know the, the people i know and like from now so that would be a mix i think would you have any snacks there? What would be your snacks? <laughs> this is a tough question. I would leave it for my wife. I'm not an expert in <laughs> cooking. I'm not an expert in uh, organizing parties. So I think I would find someone to help. Defer to an yeah. expert. <laughs> Earlier in the interview, you were talking about your partner, Michael Klukowski, and you called him Kluki. Does he have a nickname for you? Most. Of my friends call me Kali. Kali? Yeah, short version from my last name. But it's kind of easy nickname because this is a very popular character from, I think, one of the most popular books in Poland for kids. This is quite uh, like an easy target, I would say. What would you say has been the most annoying or aggravating part of the game for you? Well, I mean, in general, I love the game. I have a lot of friends in the bridge world, and, you know, it's a big part of my life. Uh, recently, I went through a bit unpleasant experience. We had, me in particular, and uh, our team as a whole, we had a small issue with directors at Bermuda Bowl. The, the list of reviews from, from Marrakesh has been posted on bridge winners, and uh, some of the members made uh, rather unpleasant posts about my behavior at the table. And yeah, that was quite shocking to me because, you know, they, they were not there. They had no idea what happened. I did what I do very rarely. I got involved uh, in the discussion. I want to present my point of view and uh, what I thought really happened at the table. Uh, obviously, it was not a, not a success. And uh, yeah, at some point I decided to stop posting. Was the aggravation about the way that people were responding to your comments or was it about what had happened 
with the director calls or a combination of the two things? Probably a combination. Of course, I believe director try to do their best to, to solve the problems. But what I think they should care of is also how players at the table feel. And uh, I think the good directors should be trying to calm players down and try to explain them everything, all the rules, because, you know, we are not experts in this field. Like, we are players, not directors. Then I can I can say hi to one of my favorite, Matt Smith, who already retired. I don't know if you... He mm. retired, yeah. But I have to say he was like exemplary director to me even when he was giving unfavorable verdict for me. He always cared that I understand what's going on and he, he did it in a way, even if it was not going your way, you were still happy. And I think that's, that's the way it should be handled. So, hi, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so you feel that the director's calls should also be about making sure that the players are in a good situation as well as enforcing the rules. Like they, It's how the rulings are made as much as what the rulings are. Yeah, it's a tough subject. I have to say I have some admiration for, for their job because it's, it's very hard and it's a lot of work under a lot of stress. Like players are allowed to make a mistake that they just lose some imp. Directors cannot uh, really make a mistake because they will be blamed for it. So, I mean, I have a lot of respect for their work, but you know, sometimes just some unpleasant things happen. It's the part of the game. Yeah, it's like, do you have a favorite bridge convention or gadget that you really love? Uh, well, I have to say my favorite convention is Black Hood. It works perfect thousand times for us. And uh, I have to say not using it. Uh, we're not good on many occasions. So it's clearly my <laughs> favorite convention. I recommend it to everyone. Is there a particular convention that you detest and that when partners suggest it, you say, absolutely not? Whereas I strongly believe transfers are the future of the game and uh, especially in competitive bidding, they are, I believe, sub superior by far. At the beginning with Michael Novosadsky, we, we started to play transfers in an uncontested auction over over one club opening. But somehow we got only bad results when we were using transfers. So so after a couple of months, we decided we stop and um, things started to go much better for us. I don't know, you know. <laughs> so sometimes, and I, I mean, probably they are also good in uncontested auction, but they were just not working for us. I mean, I believe, you know, you have you have to, feel comfortable with your system. And uh, I agree with uh, with Jeff Maxtrot. I think he said system is, is 5% of your game, even though, you know, they worked a lot of the, on the system and they had probably at some point the best system in the world. It's still a very, very little part of the game considering you are, you are using, you know, reasonable methods. I have to say now with the... Uh, 
Bukowski, we have quite a complex system with a lot of modern invention. But yeah, I still think, you know, like the best part of our game is just card play and uh, beating bravely and then trying to make the contest. What's the best bridge tip or advice that you've ever been given? I don't know if it's uh, really a bridge tip, but the tip that I like is from Jeff Maxtrot, and it's go get them, boys. <laughs> That's perfect. Jacek, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much, Jacek. It's been terrific. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure. And that's the show. Many thanks to our guest, Jacek Kalita. Thank you also to our Sorry Partner Posse of listener supporters who make the show possible. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris with production assistance from Jade Gray. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or send us a voice message. And please consider joining the Sorry Partner Posse that helps keep us on the air, so to speak. You'll get ad-free episodes, a monthly newsletter, and other supporter perks. These links and links to Club Cavell and our merch store are in your app on the website at sorrypartner.com or wherever you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice. We'll call the director. Until next time, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Yatsek says, go get them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, partner. <laughs> Thank you, partner, and go get him, partner. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.